How do you infuse change when everything is working the way it does? And I can speak probably most closely for perhaps the Lufthansa group, right? And the broader industry that we're in right now. And with the pandemic, I think the travel industry is so much impacted and so disrupted. And I think now is really the time we see that people have the openness for new ideas and new change because the old way doesn't work anymore. Welcome to the Loss and Transformation podcast series dedicated to the complex world of digital transformation. We feature guests from large corporations, startups, consultancies, and more to shed light on the success factors around innovation, transformation, and adjacent topics. We share firsthand insights and inspiration from experts for all the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and anyone curious about digital transformation. Christine Wang is the head of Asia at the Lufthansa Innovation Hub with a background in innovation and corporate venture building with BCG and Alibaba, amongst others. We talked about the key takeaways from her diverse experience and transformation, explored how we can apply innovation every day to stay ahead of the game and how the travel industry might be reinvented for the future. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Christine, I'm really happy to have you here as a guest on our podcast on Lost in Transformation. And thanks so much for joining. And yeah, so you are the head of Asia at the Lufthansa Innovation Hub here in Singapore, also with an extensive background in the innovation space and in corporate venture building as well. And today we'd like to know more about your learnings from your experience in leading global innovation labs, also building startups for big corporates and much more. But to start off, we'd like to learn more about yourself and your background in general, um, basically the journey that led you to where you are today. Could you maybe tell us more about that? Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me also. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been in innovation for the last 11, 12 years. Um, I actually started out as a researcher in open innovation and was always very intrigued by understanding how corporates can actually innovate and really absorb new ideas from the market. From there, I actually went into corporate venturing. So with BCG Digital Ventures, we built quite a few startups for corporate clients. And then I went out to actually become an entrepreneur myself. So I was also heading a venture building company and helped people, especially to get into the Chinese market and to unlock that market potential. And so within that type of role, I was also able to you know, have a stint at Alibaba and to really see how Alibaba actually operates from the inside. And then, yeah, led my journey actually to Singapore to head the Lufthansa Innovation Yeah, super interesting. Also, your multicultural background and experience in various fields, really cool. And now you're leading the Lufthansa Innovation Hub here in Asia, as you were mentioning, a global innovation lab, also driving the digital future. And when the Innovation Hub just started, could you tell us a bit about the situation that perhaps triggered that change for Lufthansa, that it felt like it needed a hub to drive innovation even further and really focus on that? Was there like a specific situation before? that the company saw as a catalyst for change? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, the Lufthansa Innovation Hub has been around for the last five years. It was founded in Berlin 
And now we have two offices in Berlin and Singapore. And the main mandate is really to connect the Lufthansa Group with the broader travel and mobility tech ecosystem. When we talk about travel mobility tech, what we mean is the journey of a traveler really from when they leave the house to their destinations and all the different types of services that that user would actually take from the right-handing service to then you know, taking the plane to having an alternative housing, so not staying in a hotel, but perhaps in a co-living space. So the various different services that touch upon a life of a traveler. So that's what we mean when we talk about travel and mobility tech. And the reason why we've actually built the Lufthansa Innovation Hub was in part because we saw quite a lot of development within the market of all these different new players, not only startups, but also incumbents, academia, VC community, all these different stakeholders actually getting into the space. And so like a lot of different other corporates, I think there was this appetite and the foresight to invest into the future and into travel and mobility and really stay ahead of the game. Right. Super interesting how you're also managing to bring the different stakeholders together with the hub and also, as you mentioned, investing into the future. I think that's really exciting. And so you've been part of a global innovation lab and driving the digital future too. And from what you've seen and from your experience, is there anything where you would say this is like one specific challenge that a lot of companies struggle with that actually keeps them from transforming? Uh, I think there are a lot of different challenges, to be honest. Definitely, it's a cultural challenge. How do you infuse change when um, everything is working the way it does? And I can speak probably most closely for perhaps the Lufthansa group, right, and the broader industry that we're in right now. And with the pandemic, I think the travel industry is so much impacted and so disrupted. And I think Now is really the time where we see that people have the openness for new ideas and new change because the old way doesn't work anymore. And at this point in time, we also don't know whether travel will come back in the way we are used to. Right. So, for example, if I just take business traveling, I think a lot of people now connect over video conferencing tools. And so the question is, will we actually travel the same way again for business as we hopefully ease out of the pandemic. Right. So that's basically also like one of the tips that you can tell people on how to overcome that challenge to basically like now we have the time to really rethink and see challenges as perhaps opportunities. Yeah, I think that that's part of it, right? Like I think now you see the openness because you see the industry being disrupted. But of course, you don't want to get to that point in time, right? You want to actually start to innovate beforehand. So You always have to have this type of like almost change or slash startup or entrepreneurial mindset. I think that is something that a lot of corporates struggle with because typically corporates become this big because they were really good in doing one thing or focusing on the core business. And that core business is usually after a long period of time has become this cash cow. So, of course, the question is like, why do you need to change if everything is works perfectly? But then you see with industries such as, for example, the travel industry, that all of a sudden you have a pandemic, like a black swan event, and nothing is, is the way it is like before. 
Right. I think that's a really interesting takeaway to also innovate beforehand and not only, you know, when the time is coming and start with an entrepreneurial mindset. I think these are really great and hands-on tips. And do you perhaps have an example of how you helped companies with their struggles in moving transformation forward as well? Could be from the Lufthansa time or from another part? I mean, there, I think there were multiple examples in my past as a venture builder looking at different types of value propositions or different types of opportunities. I think in general, one field that I was working most in was definitely to try to become, uh, get closer to the end consumer. So think of industries such as the automotive industry or the insurance industry. Uh, typically, you have a middleman in between the corporate and the end user. So for example, as an insurance company, you don't directly necessarily directly sell to your end consumer like you and I, but you actually have an agent in between that actually helps to broker insurance deals. On the automotive side, you also have something similar where you would actually purchase a car not directly from, I don't know, Mercedes-Benz or BMW, but you would actually go to a dealer or broker. So a lot of these different projects I've been doing in the past have really focused on, okay, how can this corporate actually get to know their end consumer better? And why is that relevant? It's relevant because, of course, the end consumer's become so much more digitized. There's a huge opportunity to connect with them more directly and to really create better value propositions for these end consumers. And so I think there are two very interesting insights or perhaps learnings from that. One is, do you strive for a strategy where you include that middleman and you try to like really create a win-win-win situation? Or do you try to exclude that middleman and you just like kind of directly hop over that broker and you really try to build some value proposition on service with a, a direct-to-consumer. I think that's one insight or one interesting question. I think the second one, which I've observed quite a bit in China, is, of course, the ease with how corporates can actually connect with consumers, right? Like everyone is on WeChat. Everyone just directly chats with the customer service of a corporate directly over WeChat. And I think that's also very interesting to take away, to think about, okay, how could you leverage these type of tools or digital behaviors that you see in China? And perhaps they are a little bit, you know, foresighting how the Western world could also look like and apply that to your own business. Right. Super important point. And um, I think not that easy sometimes to get right, to get closer to the end consumer in order to drive transformation forward. And I like the learnings you just mentioned. So you already mentioned from your time in China, maybe if we wind back to a couple of years ago to your time with Alibaba, where you were the global leadership associate in China, you were already part of a really fast changing environment, not just within China as a market, but also with the company. And what would you say is your biggest takeaway from an environment where basically everyday innovation is the norm in order to not fall behind? Yeah, maybe I break this question into two parts. I think the first is to realize how fast-paced China is. And I want to shed a little bit of color on that. The first thing is, like, especially in the technology and startup scene in China, there's this like 996 rule, which is essentially people working from 9 to 9, so 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. So this is how hardworking people are to really stay ahead of the game. I think the second thing that's very important 
to understand is that data is really hard to come by. And I say that from a uh, perspective where, for example, if you were to do digital marketing, you don't have tools such as Facebook or Google where you can like, advertise. And also a lot of statistics don't really work because you don't know whether the data sources are correct or like whether numbers are fudged. Why do I say that or why do I think it's important? It's important because it's really tremendously hard to predict the future in China and how, because essentially overnight things can change so dramatically. And so I think in China, in order to survive as a company, you always have to innovate. Like you always have to sort of, you, you cannot just like, you know, lay back and enjoy the cash cow for the next 10 years. Like 10 years is such a long, long time in China. And so what I've perceived in Alibaba is the fact that there is no such innovation unit where, you know, uh, separate from like the core people try to like come up with new stuff. No, it's part of the DNA and they live it through try and fail, right? So for example, if you want to try a new value proposition with the Chinese market, typically five different teams from five different BUs would actually work on the same problem. And the one that actually succeeds in finding a solution would then get all the resources allocated. So the idea is instead of like maybe perhaps what you see in the Western world more to, to really plan out things, you know, one, two, three years ahead to use data to really make judgments and hi hypotheses. Uh, what you see in a Chinese context is that people actually just go out and test stuff much quicker. And based on that learning, they're making decisions and based on that learning, they're, they're improving the value proposition to the extent that, you know, in the case of Alibaba, you know, you, you would then get all the different resources you need and really bundle resources once you figure out the problem. Yeah, these are super interesting examples also to to know how hardworking they actually are to stay ahead. Are there any specific tips where you say, okay, these are actually worth implementing into our everyday work life? Or is there anything you're already doing in your job at the moment where you're saying, okay, in order to innovate every day or to stay ahead, this really makes sense? Yeah, I think maybe two tips. I think never assume you have the answer is definitely one, right? So <laughs> I think, you know, being both in corporate and in the startup environment, of course, the mindset is very different. We've talked about it before, but I think also maybe from my consulting background, I always come up with hypotheses that I then test with the market. But I do think that, especially in more dynamic markets, maybe that the ones that we perceive here in Southeast Asia or in Asia in general, it's always good to assume that we don't know the answer and then really test with the market. I think that is like totally key. So any new ideas that we want to really see whether it has fruition, I wouldn't do a lot of desktop research, to be honest. I would actually just go out in, in the market and really test with different methods surveys, ethnographic research, or getting the prototype out to, to the consumers. Nice. Yeah, I think these are really great tips. I think um, we kind of have to remind ourselves every now and then to kind of go in with a beginner's mindset. And as you said, never assume to have the right answer right away and to just go out and test. So yeah, I think this is something definitely to bear in mind and also great hands-on tips. And if we now switch the focus a bit. Um, next to your career steps in the innovation space, you also have quite a background in the corporate venture building space. 
that goes hand in hand, perhaps. But with a background in building corporate ventures, building startups, why would you say this is actually important in general? Or would you say that in general? Why do you think more and more companies are looking into this? Yeah, I think, as I said earlier, with, uh, and with your question around Lufthansa Innovation Hub and why do we need it? Again, it comes back to the point of disruption of industries, right? And I think we've seen a couple of those in different various industries. So, for example, in the banking industry, uh, all of a sudden you had all these like startups uh, in fintech popping up, uh, doing payments way better than a retail bank, bank, right? And so you see these shifts of technologies or you see the, these shifts in industry fueled by technology and digitization. And so the reason why corporates typically look for or have an innovation hub or lab is because of that type of precursor and foresight. And I think, I mean, just to give an example, uh, yesterday I was just having dinner with a friend and she actually works in the media space. And the media space, I think, really goes uh, undergoes these type of shifts as we speak. So just imagine you are an MTV. I mean, nobody really watches TV these days, everything is like on uh, your laptop or your device. But more importantly, also you have Netflix being such a disruptor in the industry. So all of a sudden, an MTV needs to like think about other business models and other business or revenue streams, really from like making money off a TV channel to maybe merchandising or licensing content. And so I think this is really the reason why you cannot stop innovating and why a lot of corporates have decided, okay, it is worth the money and the investment and the time to really have these, you know, outlookers or precursors uh, within the company. Yeah. So basically in order to, yeah, basically goes in line with what you said, also what you learned from your time in China with Alibaba in order to stay ahead. So that might be one of the big benefits into this. On the other hand, what are perhaps some of the pitfalls that companies might encounter or that they should be aware of when looking into corporate venture building? Yeah, I think in general, the, the question always arises, which is what is the purpose of such an innovation unit, right? And The challenge is definitely to convince the CFO that this is something worth having. And I think the way to like perceive that one is kind of like having a strategy unit, right? Like you also invest into strategy because you want to like know how the future is going to pan out and how you're supposed to position yourself. And so likewise, I think innovation labs and hubs are uh, serving that type of purpose of really bringing that type of foresight. And so, of course, the challenge is like, how do you justify investments into these type of innovation units. And I think one of the biggest challenges is like to really evaluate and measure value coming out of these innovation hubs and labs, you know, and there are different ways to actually measure it. So for example, if you, if you're really building ventures, of course you can measure how many ventures you have actually built within a year. And then depending on the type of structuring of the ventures, um, of course, you could also measure the commercial value or the valuation of these companies, depending on whether there are spinoffs. I think there's a lot of strategic value with having these type of uh, innovation units. And of course, it's a matter of definition of how you define strategic value for a company. But I do think that that is something that is typically a, a huge challenge, like how do you track and how do you measure uh, success? 
Yeah, I like that you already pointed out that it's the point of basically measuring the value of the innovation hubs, because I think this is something that's not that straightforward. And as you mentioned, also to get the leadership on board, very important point here. And from your point of view, having a lot of experience in the field already, how mature would you say is the Asia market in terms of corporate venture building today? Is it something that lots of companies are already doing or something that's not that widespread as we think perhaps? I think it depends on the Asian market, right? I mean, now that we're here in Singapore and I'm definitely certainly, I am in the space, I feel like there's a lot of innovation labs and units and so forth. Definitely, if I were to compare different geographies and where I've actually lived, like, for example, in Silicon Valley, in New York, in Berlin, London, Paris, I do feel that perhaps it feels a little bit more mature in the Western uh, world than maybe in Asia. Yeah, so you were already mentioning earlier as well. Um, so we keep hearing about the people side a lot in transformation. And also um, you mentioned the cultural challenge. And um, from your experience in building startups for corporates and leading open innovation, what would you say is helpful in making corporates adopt an innovative mindset and basically foster innovation in a more regulated environment? Sure. So it's interesting. I've actually met a couple of innovation units and I wasn't sure whether they knew what they were exactly doing. I felt like a lot of these units were trying to still figure out their DNA, their purpose, etc. But in general, I think my takeaway, and if I may, I typically look at five things or five Ps for just uh, uh, easier remembering. But I think about purpose, profit, process, people, and passion. Now, let me just explain what I mean by those. So when I think about purpose, I think about what does corporate actually want to achieve? What is the purpose of this innovation unit? And when I talk about purpose, is it more about technology scouting? Is it incremental innovation people are looking for? Is it like building new businesses and, and venture building? And I think that's tremendously important to align with you know, the group CFO, uh, the innovation unit, whoever is leading this innovation unit to be really clear on what the purpose of this you know, unit is. I think that's really important. I think the profit one, again, I think to me, this is really how does this innovation unit make value? Is it profit? Is it, I mean, could be profit, could be also a strategic value, could be commercial value. Does it need to, to actually generate value, right, uh, whatsoever? Uh, or is it maybe just a information center? I think process are super important to think about, like how do you actually get new ideas funneled into this innovation unit and how does it interact with the corporate? And I think that's tremendously important. There are different models. I mean, there are some where be used, chime in money, and then the innovation unit builds and innovates for that particular BU or their particular problems to also more separate versions or even M&A and VC type of models. But it's also really clear, important to really get that straight. I think now coming a bit more to your question around innovation mindset, I think definitely the people, the right people are so key because if you only take people from the corporate world, from that particular corporate company, you're not going to experience that change. So it's almost like you have to look out into the market and really attract new type of talents and find a good model for these type of tools to, to come together and work together. Because at the end of the day, the one of the key success factors for corporate innovation to work is that you 
have a model where people work hand in hand and you have both skills um, at the table. The corporate side, which knows a lot about the, the power dynamics within the corporate, but also at the same time knows about all the different corporate assets you could leverage. And then on the other hand, having that type of fresh new perspective from the market. Um, that I think is important. And last but not least, I think passion to me is really more standing for the culture. Like what is the type of culture you can create and want to create within that innovation unit, but also beyond that? Like how does this innovation unit actually influence the corporate as a whole company? So to me, those are the five most important things of how corporates can adopt an innovation mindset or foster innovation through an innovation type of unit. Yeah, super nice. I really like the five Ps. I think that's something easy to remember and to keep in mind and also that it encompasses passion and the people side. And it's basically like a holistic view of getting an innovat uh, innovative mindset. I really like that. And with regards to the first part, the purpose part, as you already mentioned earlier as well, it's oftentimes quite hard to get uh, leadership on board of the innovation initiatives. Do you perhaps have an example of a situation like this where you also faced resistance in driving innovation um, because it required change and how you perhaps have a tip of overcoming it? I do believe that innovation needs to be driven from the very top. Like if that innovation unit or that innovation effort is like, if it sits with marketing or like, uh, you, you know, not really highly visible or within the group of a corporation, then I think it's really hard to be very successful because you don't have the attention, you don't have the backing. So definitely, in my opinion, and I think from my earlier research in open innovation, it needs to sit with either the CEO or within the, the group executive level. Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Super important point. Right. And you were mentioning a lot of your learnings along the road already. But now looking back, what would you say is your biggest learning or maybe are your biggest learnings? Anything that you'd like to especially highlight that we didn't cover? So fundamentally, I believe there's a lot of good coming out of a corporate innovation effort. I think it is tremendously important to stay ahead. And there are different ways to do it. There is one way where you can or you are capable of infusing that innovation mindset within the core business. And I do think that that becomes ever more important. The more digitized we become, the faster the, the world is spinning. But also there are different models where corporates decide to have separate innovation units um, of you know, different types of integration, if you want. So overall, I do believe that It's the right way forward. I think it is always a challenge to execute for the different reasons that we've already spoken about. So I think one thing that is so, so important here is definitely that because at the end of the day, it's really about, okay, do you have the right processes and people um, in place? And I think the people part is also super important because if you decide to have people from the market join you, how do you keep these people Because typically the type of people you would hire are the ones that really want to see impact through and also really quickly. And so if corporate politics and, and red tape comes into the way of that, then of course, A, you don't really innovate and B, you also scare away really important and really valuable talents. So 
I would say that that is like one of the biggest learnings of like how do you a keep the balance of like making sure that the innovation unit is still part of the corporate, but at the same time allowing enough freedom for these people to really do their job and that is to have impact and build great new ideas and value propositions for the corporate and for the future. Right. Yeah. So basically, again, highlighting how important the people part actually is to basically make that innovation and transformation happen within the company. I really like that. And it's super inspiring to hear also about like the initiatives that you were mentioning in driving innovation forward. But at the same time, we're also equally interested in anything that perhaps didn't work out the way you imagined. Do you recall any mistakes you made along the way uh, that you'd like to share? Anything you learned from that you can share with us? Maybe not mistakes, but I think what I've also seen in the corporate innovation space is where there might be curiosity, but not necessarily commitment. So for example, we did a project or venture uh, initiative around sustainability That was um, when I was building corporate ventures for clients. And so the idea was to really be completely out of the core business. So the core business was about B2B. It was about transportation. And then all of a sudden, they were really interested in B2C and in the sustainability space and also in a different geography that they were really strong in. So to be honest, there were a lot of different things coming together that were really difficult to execute on. So we did our research, we talked to the market, we came up with a value proposition, something that would really fit well with the local market, but then it was shut down by the corporate, of course, because it's, it was just so, so too far away from the core, right? Like, And also in that particular case, there wasn't really anything that we could leverage from an asset point of view, right? Like why... Why should this particular corporate actually do this particular value proposition if, A, the business model is so different, right? We talk about B2B versus B2C. We talk about, about a different geography where the corporate client wasn't so strong in. And we talk about a completely different field, which was beyond the industry that they were operating. So I think that to me is a learning where it was probably a mistake to actually frame this scope of work this way. And because at the end of the day, it's just a waste of resources because the commitment wasn't there. And I think at the end of the day, it's not really great for anyone to work for the bin. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, I think that's definitely something super important to mention as well. Thanks for, for bringing up the commitment part. We obviously want to bring value out of this and not just try something for the sake of trying, but really frame the scope of work the right way and be committed. That's super interesting. And yeah, now looking at the future, is there anything that you're especially looking forward to? Anything in the field that you're in or in general that's next and that's exciting you? Yeah, I mean, the space I'm in right now is tremendously interesting. Um, and the airline industry or the travel industry as a whole has been so impacted by the pandemic. But I look at it really as a chance to really reinvent the industry. And 
it's been an issue that hasn't really seen a lot of innovation necessarily from a technology standpoint, right? Like it's not like we're going to be teleporting ourselves from A to B tomorrow. So I'm really <laughs> curious to see, you know, are air taxis going to be the new thing in the future? How are we actually going to travel? How can we actually make, make travel much easier, right? Like, uh, you know, just imagine we would go to, I don't know, I haven't been to Sri Lanka, but if I were to go, I don't have friends in Sri Lanka, so I would have to somehow find the right information for this stuff to do. And I find that process still very, very cumbersome. And, you know, will there be a different way to, to travel in the future? I think is a very interesting and question that I'm really looking forward to explore more. I think also in general, I'm super passionate when it comes to innovation and, you know, infusing new different types of perspectives and learnings uh, into corporates. I'm, always happy to talk to people about that just to have a conversation because I think if I were to look into the future and thinking about like success factors I think what really helps me to strive within the innovation space is to be um, exposed to a lot of different industries and a lot of different activities and hobbies I'm actually a musician I play the violin I, I paint I do photography and this really helps me to a not be boxed in and B, to really, you know, see different types of developments in industries, such as, for example, in China, and apply it to my, my type of work or to bring inspiration to some, some other innovation colleagues, etc. So I think that is also super important, just to, like, be broad and, and be open-minded and also look into other industries and other different fields to really get inspired. Cool. That's a super interesting outlook and also super exciting to hear about your drive and passion about innovation and basically how your exposure to different industries has helped you become the person you are today. I really like the fact that you mentioned also that basically in your position now you have the chance to reinvent the industry and it's also exciting to Yeah, to see how travel will evolve in the coming years. So yeah, cool. Christine, thank you so much for sharing your journey on innovation and corporate venture building with us. And it's also very inspiring to hear about your learning and your learnings. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure and I hope our listeners can take away some helpful tips as well. And thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost in Transformation. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time for another episode of our podcast.